talking about rejoicing at a wedding, okay? Singing at a wedding and dancing at a wedding and meeting Mesameach, Achosan, and Kala at weddings. Probably the most meaningful weddings were the people I felt very, very close to, like my best friend. Also, I had a little bit uh, set them up, had a role in setting them up, so it was all the more powerful for me. And, you know, all the times davening for him and, and hoping that he'd get married. And my brother, my brother's wedding was obviously extremely uh, enjoyable and powerful because when you have a personal connection, so it's, uh, it means a lot more. Um, and, you know, another wedding that I'll never forget, it was actually, there was a, a groom and, 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 and a chazan kala, and the kala asked to come to my house for a Shabbos meal. So we hosted them. And then they asked, since it was such a simchadik thing, they asked me to come and dance at the wedding. Now, I didn't know who this person was at all, but he asked me to come to bring joy to the wedding. So I said, okay, someone has to come to the wedding. I'm going to come to the wedding. So I remember I went out of my way, and I went crazy. I just danced like crazy because he specifically asked that I could come and bring energy. And it was just one of those simchas that I just felt so high because I knew it was like I wasn't getting anything out of it. It was just l'shem shemayim. It wasn't for ulterior purpose. Like when you feel very close to the person, it's almost like, yeah, but I love it. Here, just I'm doing it for Am Yisrael. And I'll never forget like the high. It's also in a very beautiful place by Armoni Motsi. You can see the Paradise. Oh, yes, so the wedding was at that place. Oh, you and, tell us. Yeah, and by the way, the, the follow-up to the story is afterwards, that guy actually ended up being, he works at Aardvark, and he hires me sometimes to do tours because we have a connection. So I did, you know, L'Shem Shemayim, but uh, ended up, you sometimes see the benefits. So, okay, on that note, if we have time at the end, I'll share a few more stories, but uh, let's, let's just jump in, into the halachas of rejoicing at a wedding. So, as we always do, what is the source from the Torah? Don't cheat. Look at the source sheet. Can you think? What is the source for the mitzvah of making a groom and a bride happy on the wedding day? I feel like the first wedding we hear of is like Yaakov and... Okay, very, very creative. Very interesting. And indeed, that does make the source sheet. Interestingly enough, the first wedding is Leah and, and Rachel, but it's a little bit of an awkward type of place to learn weddings from. But indeed, the Gemara learns that the, the, from the fact that Lovin gathered all the people, that there's an Indian of having a lot of people at a wedding. It's really interesting. They also learn out uh, the Indian of Sheva Brachos, right? Because there's seven days between uh, Leah and Rachel's wedding. Um, so... Seven days until the agreement to make the new wedding. Oh. Put it that way. That is, I believe, in source. Hey, uh, he makes a, a party, and uh, fill this week up. I'm going to give you this one also. Shall be contracted to marriage. Um, we also learned, by the way, the, the concept of covering the woman with the veal from that whole loving story because she, right, her face was covered. So. That really deserves a sheer in itself of wacky things that we learn, halachas that we learn from very surprising places. What? It's a it's a minha. It's interesting that you. Some people wear like just the cloth and some people like mesh. Yeah, it's all a custom. It, whatever you do is good. It's it's very nice custom. It's a holy custom, you know. Minha Yisrael is custom, but uh, but there's different customs. It's not a halacha. Okay, 
Okay, so that might be one source uh, from the story of Laban. Very good. What else? What, what else do we learn the concept that it would be a mitzvah, a good deed, to make your groom and your bride happy? Okay, so you could say. Okay, now you're allowed. I don't know exactly, but it definitely has to do with Adam and Chava. Oh, okay. So let's look at source bet. The Torah tells us in chapter 2, verse 22. So God takes the rib, which he takes from the man, and he makes it into a woman. And he brings it to the man. Okay? By the way, how does it make you girls feel to know that you were once a rib of man? No, no. We have the same amount of ribs. I don't know how that works exactly. It's crazy, right? Okay, anyways. The Gemara and Brachos. Learns out, Brachos Samech Aleph Amen Aleph. Darash Rabbi Shimon ben Menasya. What does it mean by Ben Hashem at Atzala that God built Atzala? Melamed Shikilagad Brachol Lachava Beviela Adam Rishon. God actually literally took Chava and brought her to Adam Harishon and brought her to Adam. Okay. Well, yeah, but but. They just kind of bring it out. We would have just read past it. Okay, and he brought her to Adam. But he's, they're reading it. He brought her to Adam as part of the wedding ceremony. I mean, like, right, that he walked her down the chuppah. He was a shoshvan, so to speak. You know, the guys would walk with the candles and lead them down the chuppah. So that was Hashem. Hashem personally escorted. He was like the dad. He was like the mom. He was everything. And he brought Chava to the, ceremony, to, the, to the chuppah, so to speak. And so if you remember, we've learned many a time now in this course that we learn, um, we learn th- that whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu does, we want to emulate him, right? Uh, that whatever Hashem says, the Gemara and Sota, I believe, teaches us we can emulate him, at least regarding the, the, the nice things that Hashem does. We don't go kill people with fiery, burning things usually, but... For the nice things, we, we, we follow Kesh Baruch And so, since Hashem escorted them down to the wedding hall, we also escort them down to the wedding hall. So that's, let's say, source number two at this point. Pretty cool, right? And the third, third source is pretty obvious and pretty much comes up almost every Ben Adam Lachavir Ashur that we've done. We've discussed this before. What is the main source of interpersonal relationships? The Klal Gadol in the Torah is? Yeah, very good. So if you were getting married, there's a lot of Hashem soon. So wouldn't you want, I mean, right? So wouldn't you want your friends to be dancing and singing and doing all sorts of shtick and pouring water all over your head and doing crazy things? Of course you would, I hope, I think. So maybe not the water dance. Okay. But you get what I'm saying. Just like, by the way, that was uh, my wife's shtick. Uh, when she was, for a very long time, for like 15 years, she ran a gemach, a shtick gemach. And I, I, don't, I don't know where she got the idea from. It might have been a school to get married. Um, where she, gave, she had this really cool shtick and she gave it out every time someone wanted to get married. And when she got married, she gave it to someone else. To kind of continue this school life. So, what, what would she like give out? I don't know, like those cones and those hula hoops and all sorts of fun, so silly fun. things. 
that you know people do at their at their wedding, but you don't want to spend a million dollars. So she was like, uh, she had a, she had a known gemach. Everyone in uh, Rahavia knew. Jordan's Enos gemach, yeah. Which is ironic, because at our at our wedding we had almost no gemach, we had no shtick, but it's okay. Ours was a Corona wedding. We had a very smallish wedding, which was a lot of spirit. It's online somewhere. I should show you. Anyways, maybe you know one of these days. Um, anywho's. So those are our three sources. Good. So at this point, I've convinced you that it's a mitzvah to make husbands and grooms happy. Yeah, that from Lavan, there's a biblical story that people were having big parties. Okay. Again, it's a little funny to learn things from Lavan. You know, there's another concept that Gemara learns out in Mod Katim from Lavan. Me Hashem, that from it's Hashem a soulmate. Because Love and Hashem That it's from Hashem, the shidduch between Rivka and, and, and Yitzchak. So also there, it's a little strange that we're learning halachas from Love and Amatua, who are wicked people. So apparently, we believe that a Kaddish Baruch Hu works even sometimes through wicked people, even through bad people. That's true. But maybe he was like, I right, better get a lot of people there. No, even if the wedding was like We should also want to do that. Okay. Except it didn't really work out in his wedding the way we want it to be with the whole switching and the, you know what I'm saying? But okay, it's a nice idea. But I like the idea. Okay. So now I want to convince you that it's not just a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah. I call it a super mitzvah. Okay. Where do I get that idea from? From the prophet Jeremiah. You guys know a little bit about Jeremiah? So Jeremiah lived around the year 586 BCE. And he's the prophet of destruction. Actually, give the tour in the city of David, and we talk about the place where, uh, where he prophesied, and he sat in the pits because he told Zedekiah not to fight the Babylonians; they're going to lose because they're all sinners, and they didn't listen, and they got burnt by Babylonians. He got kicked out of Israel for the next, I don't know, long time. So he was, for the most part, a little bit of a sad. He also wrote Eicha, not such a happy book, right? But there's a good part to his prophecy. So look at chapter thirty-three. He says, come to me, I'm going to tell you terrible things. But then he goes on. Look at the next page. Look at these walls which have been destroyed and are full of swords. There's terrible um, dead people all around. And God has hid his face. So that's the sad part. But here's the good part. But one day I'm going to return the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel. And how are the, is, does he express the greatest returning to Israel? In this very place, that it's destroyed. In this place where there's nothing, there's no animals, there's no people. But one day you will hear, The voice of the bride and the groom and everyone saying, Thank you, Hashem. Because I will have bring back, I will bring back the captives of Jerusalem. So when Yirmiyahu wants to, in this terrible, sad time, express a little bit of hope, how does he express, what, is, what, is, what does it mean when the Jews are going to return back to Yerushalayim? 
You're going to hear weddings. You're going to hear the songs of weddings. That's when you know that the Jews are back in town. And I'll tell you, maybe I shared this in my tour. I remember a few months back, my wife and I went to Rebar. And next to Rebar, there's a, a shawarma bar. And in the shawarma bar, there's a lady. And the lady is like 70 years old, and she just got married. She's dressed in a wedding gown. And I caught sight of that, and I started singing. And there was a koto student of mine, and then a writer student. And they all, we all, they knew me, and they were all dancing and singing in the wedding hall, fulfilling the prophecy of Yirmiyahu, that there should be the, the, the sound of, of singing and dancing and rejoicing in Yerushalayim. So when you had to go to a wedding in Yerushalayim, it's very, very special. It's a prophecy being fulfilled. And Yirmiyahu takes weddings as a primal expression of Hashem's returning the Jewish people back to Eretz Israel. So it's not just an individual, it's a national type of symbol. Yeah? You with me? Good. Now, on that note, the Gemara in Barachos says something very important. Amar Rabbi Chalbo, Amar Rabbi Huna. This is a little scary. So buckle your seatbelt. If you go to a wedding hall and you take the shmorg and you take a lachaim, but you don't actually go and dance for the groom and the kala. You don't actually tell them mazel tov. You're just doing your own thing. You're schmoozing. Over Bahamisha Kolos, you just went against five voices of God. Bad. It's bad news. Don't do that. Sometimes, I don't want to speak badly about the Jewish people. Sometimes I see that people right away get to the wedding, and what are they concerned about? Food. Where the shmorg before the shmorg. Meanwhile, the chassan is waiting in the chassan's room. And nobody's singing and dancing in his chassan's dish. And the group bride sometimes is alone. She sometimes likes the alone times. But especially for the chassan, it drives me crazy. For me, the main reason I go to weddings, honestly, is just to get there early. And to, I often bring my guitar. Just to bring a little simcha to the chassan during that awkward 20 minutes when no one else is even like around him. The rest of the wedding, he has 3 million people. And the band comes. But in those first 20 minutes, often it's like awkward. No one knows what to say, what to sing. So like, that's my favorite part of the wedding. Almost always. I know I did. Almost always they do. They want, there have been some random times and I like was shushed. Yeah, you know, he wants to be quiet. It's like, okay, fine. But 95% of the time, they want the, the, the ruach and they're just not sure who's going to bring the, the energy. So I try to come early, bring the guitar. Well, and then I can... there's a bride story and like, like, you tell them the walk in the hall, like, you, you don't get to dance. Ah, like, like, uh, very good. So Ravel Yashiv was asked that exact question and we're going to see in a moment that the Gemara says, the main mitzvah is actually through your speech, not through your dancing. So obviously it's subjective because it depends how much you make them happy. But as long as you went over and you said mazel tov, you fulfilled the mitzvah. In fact, a different question, even harsher. What if you came to the wedding and you didn't even see the chassan because he was like in the yichud room and you're a big rabbi. You went to show your presence or you're just a big person. And then you, didn't have, you have another thing. Did you fulfill the mitzvah or not? So I honestly would say no, because he doesn't even know about it, your, your presence. How could you say that you were Miss Amaya? I mean, if you're a big rabbi, you could see the Right? You would think so. You would think at least take two minutes. But let's say you couldn't. Let's say you had to leave. So he actually writes, you still to a certain extent fulfilled the mitzvah. Why? Because the chassan's happy about knowing that a lot of people came to his simcha. That itself will bring him some fun. So you can, I think for like a normal person, that's like, it's going to if you're a big guy, and you want to make you know, your maybe, big deal to come to wedding, you uh, maybe maybe you came and you made other people happy that just than just by seeing you. 
I don't know. Anyway, definitely I would recommend at least staying a little bit to uh, to make the to make the chassan and the kala happy. But definitely, this is more about what's our intention. We're going to the wedding. Are we there for the food? Or are we there to make the chassan happy? And if you went for the wrong reasons, it's it's not a good thing. On the other hand, here's a good thing. And if you make him happy, what's your what's your schar? You get toira. That was given with five voices. The Torah was given with five voices, and 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 bring, doing chesed is, is considered like learning the Torah. It's like you brought a, a, a toda sacrifice. You brought a sacrifice of thanks. You rebuilt one of the destroyed places of Yerushalayim because every house is a bias neman is building. Uh, a house of Yerushalayim, even Pisani Yerushalayim, and he quotes the pasuk we just learned: "Ki Yashiva Tutarat Yerushalayim Hashem." So when you go and you join into the Simcha, you're doing super amazing things for Am Yisrael. And the Ariya Kadosh wrote that when you go and you dance and you sing and you bring happiness, you fulfill the mitzvah in completeness. The couple fulfills the essence of the entire Torah. What exactly that means, I'm not sure. I'm not a holy Kabbalist, but I'll trust the Ariya. Uh, that when you do this mitzvah, you're fulfilling the essence of... Maybe I could get a little Kabbalistic. I could say that when husband and wife are coming together, they're very, they represent incompleteness. And then when they complete each other and you join in with that completion, you're fulfilling the essence of Torah, which is to complete us as humans. So I don't know. Anyways, it's a big mitzvah. I've proven my point. You guys agree it's a super mitzvah? You're on my page? Okay, great. Part three. Um... And that is, should you dance like crazy, like really hard and well, or not? If you can. I'm a little biased. You know me well at this point of the year, so you got it right. But prove it. What's my source that it's a big mitzvah to dance like a wild man, like a happy, holy wild man um, at a holy wedding? Ah, so let's look at it. I told you guys I've been spending a lot of time in the city of David, right? I'm finishing the course now, just through getting my papers, start guiding there. And so we go back to the story of David Amelech. I'll just remind us, years of 1000 BC, 3000 years ago, and David has come to Yerushalayim, and his first order of business, he captures Yerushalayim, and then his next order of business is he wants to build the base of Megdash. But before he can build the base of Megdash, he needs to have the Aron. The Aron was stuck by the Plishtim. It actually wasn't stuck, it was stuck by some guy who had taken it from the Plishtim. And he brings, I think from Nov, and he brings it in, and he starts, Now, Michal's looking through the window, right in the city of David. And he's dancing like a wild man. He's going like crazy. It wasn't a wedding. You're right. You got me. But nonetheless, we'll get to a wedding soon. Batiba is Lobaliba, and she didn't like it. She was she was disgraced. That's a king dancing like a wild man. It's not covered. Basically, David Amalek says, I'm dancing before God. I'm not dancing for fun. This isn't an aerobics class. I'm dancing for the sake of Hashem. And who do I think was right? I think David was right. I think the Bible actually seems to believe David was right too. No, I think he's right. But I'm saying that the 
For sure, for sure. But that was maybe that's the whole point. Maybe it's deeper when when you go at it. It spontaneously comes from your neshama of the dance, but you know you're doing it, you know, for Hashem. And that, since since you said that, I'll tell you a great story about Reclaiminus Kalman Mi Piaznetsa. I'm actually Kalman. I'm named after him. The same person he's named after. And it was 1925, and he is known as the Warsaw Ghetto Rebbe because he was the Rebbe who was Machazik everyone in the Warsaw Ghetto. But this is you know 10 years before that. 12 years before that, and there was a Hanasa Sefer Torah. It was a big deal. You get a Hanasa. We had one uh, in the old city recently, and everyone, the whole town was dancing. And he starts dancing, and he decides he wants to do a somersault. And he says, Wait a second, I can't do a somersault. I'm a big rabbi. I want to be and like in the old days. You know. And he's like, No, I have to do it for a chef. He's like, No, you can't do it. And he does it. He does a somersault. And he writes this in his, in his journal. It's in Sab Vizirus. It's an amazing book. And so, anyways, so where do you get that spontaneity? It's from, from Davin Amal, I believe. So now, Leah's going to point out that's very nice, but that's not at a wedding. These are Achnasa Sefer Torah. These are different equations. Now prove to me that we have to do it at a wedding. So thanks for asking. Let's look at our next source. Tuvos Yud Zayin Amud Aleph. Chabi Yehuda Barilai Notel Ba'chel Hadas. Umeraked Lefneakalaf. So Rabbi Yehuda would take myrtles. I haven't ever seen people do this, but. A myrtle branch, the little branches, they look like myrtles. The Spartans smell them at, at Abdullah. Like a hadas. Like uh, we'll do a Google images search and I'll show you. Okay, it smells nice. Like hadas, like, like Esther. Anyways, and she would say, Umarakit, we dance before the Kala. Umarakala na bachasuda. And Kala, beautiful and, and, and righteous. Shmuel bar Yitzhak, Umarakit atlat. Shmuel bar Yitzchak would dance on three myrtle branches, and then he would juggle them. Okay, you know, you know, you've seen all those guys doing the fancy juggles. So that's where they got it from, from Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yitzchak. Amar Rabbi Zera, Kamachsef Saba. Rabbi Zera said he, that that Saba, the old man, is humiliating us. Right? He's saying, "What's this? This old man doing? It's, it's, it, that's not the kavodik of Rabbi, right? It sounds like a little bit like Michal, right?" Ifsik Amuda Denura Bendide Lekula Alma, and you know when when he Said that a pillar of fire demarcated between him and everyone else. No, no, no one died. Oh, really? Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I missed that word. So. The tradition is the fire demarcated only for either one person in generation or for two people in generation. Anyways, the point is that Hashem ruled like the wild, crazy dancing man because he was doing it l'shem shamayim. So in that situation, uh, it would be permitted and even praiseworthy to dance with a lot of gishmak. And you see, when you go to weddings, and even big rabbis, they, they do crazy holy dancing. Sometimes they do silly things. Yes, and that's why we have a mechitza. That's why we have a mechitza, right? So that the men are on their side doing their thing, and the women on their, are on their side are doing their thing. And truth is, from, from what I've heard, women are even more crazy, and more sticky, and more silly, and they, they're, they're actually better at it than boys. I think boys are less organized and don't just a lot of energy, and girls 
for the most part, are, are more thoughtful and creative and more sticky and better. And the truth is, I think the, the main mitzvah, the main is to be mismech lekala. Because the chassan also is mismech kala. So I would say it's even more for the girl than for the guy. On the girl side, I think they even more have the, the push to go crazy. The truth is, sometimes it's not like that because just they're tired, you know? No, I just feel like but like, they should try. For girls, they, they do but, but, but that's, that's exactly why we have a mechitza. Exactly. We're not talking about a situation Sometimes where... Sometimes the bride sits with the groom while the boys do stuff. When the girl goes over so, to the boys' side, then you're right. Then, then, that, that's, then, then women don't dance in front of men, correct? But uh, we're talking about when the women is on the girl, when the girls are on the girl's side. Yeah? Okay. Great. A few more uh, notes. So, as we pointed out before... The main mitzvah is actually not through dancing. It's rather through speech. As Gemara and Ketubas famously continues, Kala Kamochi Ubetilomim Kala Navachasuda. So Bichamai said you should just praise her for how, whoever, whoever she is. Don't lie. Remember, we learned about that for those over here for the not lying sheer. Ubetilomim Kala Navachasuda. You are allowed to lie for the sake of peace and you're allowed to praise, like we saw in that Gemara, that uh, no matter how wonderful and pretty she is you just want to make the, the you make everyone feel great so you're take it because Bechama so much values truth he doesn't want to make any exceptions and say once you start lying about this and you start lying about other things you just tell the truth or don't say anything either either tell the truth or, or nothing you don't have to say anything that's his perspective whereas Bechama who we possibly like says peace is a greater value than truth okay but uh, right, we're on this. That's exactly. Girls kill. They do indeed, and uh, husbands should definitely poskin like, uh, like Hillo, and always, you know, always, always say nice things. <laughs> they should always say nice things, one hundred percent. But, um, but, anyways, what we see from this, what I'm pointing out, is that the, what you say to the husband, you should be thoughtful. What we say to them, oftentimes you get that one dance, so say nice things, and whenever you can, or. If you don't have a chance to say something, write on your gift a little nice message and bring Simcha on the video, whatever way you can. Okay, now a few more little points about weddings. I was once at a wedding and I had learned a sefer by Reb Ginsburg, and I learned the following chiddush that I want to share with you, which is mind blowing. Ginsburg says that on the Kabbalistic level, every aspect of the wedding is mashpia upon the couple. So you might think that you're just watching passively at the, at the chuppah. You might think you're just sitting and eating dinner while they're in the yichud room and you're getting your ribs. But your holy intentions, the Torah you say, the songs you sing, the nice words you say about everyone is somehow metaphysically affecting them. And you're in the wedding energy. You're in the world of wedding. Everything you do has an so to me, that was such an empowering thought. Like, every person and their kavana. We, we believe that in general in Judaism, but especially at a wedding, every person and their kavana affects everyone. So, you know, just just another reason to be present and to be just simchadik as much as you can, even during the little meal part of the, of the chuppah. Okay, that's a Kabbalistic idea, but still pretty cool. Okay, here's a dilemma that often comes up. Survey says, let's say you have night seder, right? You have a Kalman's class, but your best friend invites you. Okay, not your best friend. Okay, so 
Hashkacha process says that this is wedding season. It's another reason why I, every time I go to the, the Koisel, there's five Chatanim. I always try to dab in the minion so I don't have to say Tachnun. Anyways, so there's a lot of weddings going on. And um, I could spot them. When I have to, well, I know exactly who's a Chatanim. But, um, but not your best friend. Let's say it's a random person. What do you say? Should you go to Night Seder and learn Haida? Or should you go to the wedding? What do you think? I feel like I like this one, but I feel like they would still go to the wedding. I think it's more about it. So I think I think if the person is gonna be having a whole wedding, but if the person is not gonna be like the person. Yes, yes. Okay, so let's look at the, the inside and then we'll go outside. Tanaravanan. Mevatlim Torah Torah. The Gemara in Tuba says we mevatel Talmud Torah. We will stop learning Torah. Though it's asemes lachnasat kala for the sake of taking out a dead person and for the sake of um, dance making a kala happy. Amar lav al Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Yehuda Shem mevatel Talmud Torah. Though it's asemes lachnasat kala. But medvar memorim when is that really true? But medvar memorim kishayim imo kol tzarcha when he don't have enough people for the wedding. But we don't nullify Torah if he has enough people at the wedding or at the, at the grave. So the answer is, like most Jewish questions, it depends. If they don't have enough people for the wedding, so then go to the wedding. But if they have enough people for the wedding, so learn Torah. Okay? Make sense? Like most Torahs. Now, to make it even more complicated, there's more factors. Let's say you can bring a particular energy that no one else can bring. So maybe you could argue that even though there's not people at the wedding, but since you're going to bring such special energy that no one else can bring that simcha, that you, because you have a special relationship with that person, so maybe you could say even if, yeah, they have a minion, but if, if I don't go there and bring my, my personal presence is going to bring him special happiness, then I would also say there is a hetcher to go to the wedding. But I would say everything within reason. If you're going to be, like in my Shana Aleph, I was in the old cities. There's a lot of weddings. And it got to a point where like every night people are going to weddings and like you're missing night Seder. And you also only have one year to really like, or sometimes two years if you Shana Bet. But you only have one year to like really like make yourself rooted in, in Torah. So maybe that wouldn't be the time to be going to weddings all the time. Maybe, you know, it, it depends all on the scenario. Also, we have to be honest that there is a difference between a man's obligation to learn Torah and a woman's obligation to learn Torah. Women definitely should learn Torah nonstop, and every minute of Torah is endlessly important. But they don't have a chil at every moment, so perhaps it would be more of a heter for a holy woman to go to a wedding uh, that has enough people. Can I not ask you, ask you why would you do a mitzvah and then... That they're not doing a mitzvah. And some, it's really a topic of itself, but... And some... I'll put it like this. For sure, they, sh- they have to have a set time of learning Torah in the morning and at night. And for sure, they don't have to learn Torah if they're doing other mitzvahs. Is there a concept? And, and for sure, if they're going to get burnt out, they can take a break. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if you need to play sports once in a while or play guitar once in a while to re-energize your, your, your batteries, then that's okay. Um, but for sure, the ideal is that when you're not doing a mitzvah or something else, which is parnasa or whatever necessary for, for uh, your own emotional health, that you really should be learning Torah. Um, but women don't have that same pressure that us yeshivish girl, guys have, yeah? What if one girl, like, not in a normal, like, through the streets, like, not through the streets, but, like, indulging in anything she could normally, she can invest everything? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So if you think that learning Torah is going to 
have a net, if you know nothing, if, you, if you're honest with yourself and you say, learning Torah will not have a good effect on me for whatever reason. So A, you could probably try a different type of Torah. <laughs> There's a difference between learning Baba Batra and learning a little Hasidic Sefer. It may have different effects on your, on your well-being. And B, yeah, of course, there's, there's room for, there's space. As long as a, as a person has a set time of learning Torah in his life, right, a little bit in the morning, a little bit at night, you've fulfilled your minimal quantity. Then from there, depending on how much you can handle, is how much you, you could do it. It's like, you know, a very complicated topic because you have to also balance other things like making a parnasa, like having a family, you know what I'm saying, like being nice to your wife and your kids, and doing other mitzvahs. And for me personally, I have to ask myself every day, um, okay, because I have a very fluid life right now. I don't have that many obligations. So every day, do I want to take one tour at the Kotel Tunnel? Do I want to take two? Um, do I want to take three? Um, and everything's a mitzvah. Because every tour I do could make Kadashim Shemayim and make a big hashpa'a on a lot of people possibly. But on the other hand, I also have to make time for Torah in my life, you know? And I also have to make Parnassah. So it's a very, you have to know yourself and your and what's going to make you emotionally healthy and, and what's balanced and what's your mission in life. Right, so I think that's part of it. That's another thing pushing me uh, to, to take, you know, for example, if I have a private tour, I'm more like inclined to for sure take that because it's also a big mitzvah and it pays the bills a lot more than like the little tours that I do. So you have to balance all of these things in life. Uh, but the main thing is that you should be pushing yourself to learn as much as as possible for guys and girls of course girls also have to just to be a basic Jew to know the basics of halacha you have to learn a lot of Torah and by the time you've already learned you probably already forgot it after you do so the girls too have an endless amount of Torah to learn but they just don't have the same pressure I must learn right now like us Yeshiva boys say anyways um, a few more little points and then maybe a story um, simmer down now with all this craziness and singing and dancing I have to be honest there's um, a few sources which indicate that you have to also take a breather sometimes at, we at weddings. One of my favorite Gemaras. Welcome back. So no, it's okay. No, it's okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. Do you know it? Um, I think so. Wow. We were just talking about how sometimes you have to stop learning Torah and do mitzvahs. So we did the right thing. Okay. Um, I, mean, I wasn't really helping. So you were emotionally helping. You're emotionally helping. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're, we're giving you the benefit there. Okay. So, one of the, my favorite Gemara's in Brachas. It says that once, I see Kasa de Mokrabat Arba Basically, I skipped a little bit of the Gemara, but there was a wedding that was real wild and crazy. It was going crazy. So, one rabbi takes a cup with 400 zuzim, which is a lot of money. It's the last source source you can know. 400 zuzim. Remember, a goat was two zuz. So, really, really expensive. Taber Kamai and destroys the, 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 the cup. Vaat Sifu. Yeah, the Gemara might be exaggerating a little bit, but smash is a really, really expensive cup, and everyone gets sad. Ravashi, Avadi, another story. Ravashi went to the wedding of his son, and everyone's having a great time and joking around. Take the big glass, and he smashes it. Another story. Rabbi, sing us a song they said at the wedding. Armalu, Vailan de Mitnan, Vailan de Mitnan. Woe to us, because we're going to die. Woe to us, because we're going to die. And they're all like, what? Who hired this guy to be the wedding singer? And that's the end of the story. So that's, why did I bring you this very fascinating Gemara? Because Gemara is trying to make a point. Gemara is saying that on the one hand, yeah, you got to go singing and dancing and have crazy. But on the other hand, 
there is a concept that sometimes it gets so wild and crazy that sometimes people come to sin. So you have to be thoughtful. And I'm dancing, I'm singing, I'm going crazy, but don't, I don't know, kick the next guy, the old guys. Sometimes the kids are dancing so much that they, they hurt other people while they're dancing or they drink so much that they do stupid things. So there's always got to be balance in Judaism. You know, what's really interesting about this Gemara is, you know the custom at, under your wedding canopies that you smash the glass? Okay? So you know where that comes from? This, this Gemara. Tosos points out, from here is the custom to break the glass under the chuppah. Now, to remind us, as much as we're going to have a great time and sing and dance, we have to be a little bit more uh, temperate. We can't go nuts, nuts. Now, we make a nice sweet count. Then we sing, right? And we take that sadness and we translate it to, because we don't have Yerushalayim. But the original custom comes from this Gemara of reminding ourselves, as much as the Commons telling us, go crazy and have fun, but never to the extent that it's going to bring us to, uh, to sin. Chas shalom. Okay, a few more practical questions. Uh, wedding gifts, good thing to do, bad thing to do, good. serve it good. And that's part of the mitzvah of uh, another aspect of doing that that I like doing is Sheva Brachos. They're still in their week, throwing people a Sheva Brachos. Uh, no great story about that. If I have time, don't have time. Wait, what's the Yudah? Oh, You're allowed to sell a safer Torah for the sake of raising money for um, for a wedding. That's how important it is. So it is a big thing to raise money. That's why a lot of times people say, they're raising money so that people can have nice weddings. At the same time, I would say, but don't go overboard. You don't really need a $100,000 wedding. I'm saying there's more important causes for the world than you having your fancy schmancy chandeliers and balloons, okay? So I had a little small corona wedding and like, our marriage is great. You really don't need a big, fancy, fancy anything. You need a lot of good people and good smiles and dancing. That's all you need, in my humble opinion. Uh, but of course, a guy should always about here to what the woman says. Shalom, you know what I'm saying? Uh, attending a mixed wedding, better not to, right? But it's complicated. But sometimes it's complicated, right? Because sometimes it's a family member, you don't want to insult them. So, you know, it's a little different in my situation than yours because if I'm a rabbi, so when people see me, at a mixed event, it's like, it could have, a, it doesn't look so good. What I will do is I'll go to the wedding. And often they'll have like a non-mixed part of the wedding and that part I can sing and dance. And during the mixed part of the wedding, you know, when they take the mechitzas away, which is not allowed, right? Men and women dancing together. I think you guys know that by now. Um, I won't participate in that. I'll just walk to the side and have a schmooze or I'll go home. Because often at the end of the wedding. Because I think, I don't want to support something which is in Salacha, but I won't do it in a public way because, uh, you know. So, basically, the answer in general is sensitivity and thoughtfulness, but also thoughtfulness to what the Torah wants from us and Hashem, but also thoughtfulness to try not to hurt people's feelings if we don't have to. Could the, could the blood move after the people they can. In terms of, is it Nahug or not? There are different communities of whether it's Sanua or not. In some communities, it's fine. Others, it's not. But it's technically, you know, the husband and wife are committed to each other. Though she doesn't cover her hair that one night, so it's, uh, it's a special night. Some of the rules are a little more flexible. Well, she had more time to learn Hilchos wedding, but it's another course for another year. Um, what about the uh, same sex wedding? Uh, it's a tough one, eh? Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to get into that for the 30 seconds. Ever. It's a tricky question, put it like that. I mean, 
we could discuss. It's a, it's a, it's a gray area. Not the same way. Definitely not an ideal situation. I'll put that for sure. But it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a longer discussion. I think it's, I think it's more serious. But it's more complex and more serious. But um, we'll leave it there. Um, ask your local Orthodox rabbi um, and just have good shoes about it. Um, here's a good story. And that's on a good note. And then safer, quick poll, that would be a big mitzvah. Um, so I heard this story. There was a couple, they were going to get married here in Israel. And a lot of times they have wedding halls which have two halls been for them. And there was a small one and a big one. And what happened was there was a big mess up. And this big wedding was, this. a lot of people were invited and they accidentally had gotten the small hall. They didn't realize it until the last minute. And they said, no, we need the other hall. And they said, we can't, there's another wedding. And they need the other hall. <coughs> so what do you do? So they called the other people. They said, please, 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 you know, I'll pay for you to go to a different place. We need the big hall. And they said, listen, it's not just me. I have 3,000 invitations all going for that exact hall. And I, what about my people? I, uh, it's not about money. I just can't do that. I'm sorry. Like, I need, I need the wedding hall. And, and that was that. And then this, this person called up a rabbi and said, help me. I don't know what to do. And the rabbi calls up the guy and says, listen, you're in the right. You're 100% right. You don't need to give up your wedding hall. But is there someone in your family who maybe hasn't gotten married and been looking to get married for a long time? He said, yes, actually, the, the, the bride's sister is much older, and she's been looking to get married for a very long time. He said, listen, no pressure, but there's a big segula. For you to be mavater, to say, I'm going to do this mitzvah. If we dedicate this mitzvah to get all the schar should go for her getting married, you don't know what they will do in Shemayim. He thought about it. He called them back. He says, yeah, I'm going to do it. And they switched it. They let them have the big, big hall. They took the small hall, or they bought some other hall, I don't know. And indeed, that very, very soon afterwards, the, the, the older girl got married. And this chus of that mevater. Uh, so when you try to make shalom for others, when you're thinking about being, doing simcha to others, good things happen. And that's always my, my favorite thing about a wedding, to just forget your own personal situation. You know, sometimes people are like, oh, I'm single, or oh, I wanted to go out with that girl, and now she's marrying him. That actually, that's actually in my situation, whatever, all sorts of situations, and just for, throw that all away. Just dance for Am Yisrael, just like draw simcha for Am Yisrael for one night, just, you know, be happy, and it's just, it, to me, it's the most beautiful opportunity to connect to the Jewish people, and Nezrat Hashem, Nezrat Hashem, we should have many, many opportunities. Before you guys go, 